0: Hey, welcome to the Low-Key Podcast. My name is Tim Malloy. I'm here with Keith Benny and Aaron Lanton, And this week we are talking about Candyman, the original 1992 Candyman. More timely than ever because there's a new Candyman coming out this year. And I think it's also a pretty excellent year for, can I say this, for racially themed horror movies. Um, so I don't even know where to begin the discussion on Candyman except to say that I'd never seen it before. Uh, you guys suggested it and I was blown away by how
1: good it was right I first saw it as a child so rewatching it on Netflix was uh, quite an adventure there were things that I'd forgotten and um, you know that I see in, in you know in the context of an, an adult man and I'm like this is even more hilarious than I remember um, in so many different ways with you know some of the subtext just constantly in your face and in, in the film saying look either you you get it or you don't like we wing on i mean outside of like explaining some of the things happening with gentrification and in, in public housing it doesn't really bat you over the head with a lot of its subtext and uh, I, I find it very interesting for a film like this
0: it's so yes. subtle and so smart how they do it yeah
2: definitely definitely i um I I remember also seeing it as a kid, and I forgot, like, how good it was. Like, in the sense of, like, I remember being creeped out about Candyman, and um, me and my cousins tried to dare each other to go in the bathroom. (laughs) Uh, Oh, no, no, good. No, they they used to do I remember I had one incident where my older cousins locked me in the bathroom. Like and they were like holding the door and trying to keep me keep me from getting out after they didn't say Candyman five times and then ran out.
1: Okay, so Tim, let me let me also um, affirm that this apparently was just happening all over uh, you know neighborhoods I guess in the early 90s. I didn't realize this was happening to everybody. It happened to me too.
0: Right. Because in the movie, if you say Candyman in the mirror five times, you die. Virginia Madsen. Says Candyman, and she does meet Candyman. Cassie Lemons does not say Candyman. She goes four times, and she, as far as I know, is still around, um, in the world, in the Candyman universe. Um, Which yeah, character? Sorry. Uh, Cassie Lemons character, Bernadette. There's the scene. There's a the scene. Oh where no no both. no!
1: I mean, unless I'm real crazy, Bernadette dead.
0: Wait, did she yeah. die? Yeah. Man. Oh right, right right right! Virginia Madsen kills her. Right. Okay. Yep. My bad.
1: Yeah, I was like, am I? Or, or does she kill her? No, nope, you're right. No, um, Candy, Candyman killed her. Well, I mean, but I mean. Oh,
0: right. that's to, cl- a, to clarify, oh. there's a middle section of the movie where I got real confused where you don't know if Candyman's doing the killings or Virginia Madsen's doing the killings, and the police think Virginia Madsen's doing the killings, but it's like we see that it's Candyman, but it's kind of from Virginia Madsen's perspective. So, yeah, you're right. Cassie Lemons is dead. We won't edit all this out, but I shouldn't have said that.
1: No, yeah. Well, but, but here, here's the thing. The, <laughs> well, I mean, you you do, as a first-time viewer, have to go, well, wait a minute, what, what am I looking at? Because the movie, it, it's doing things in such a way, and it's not the trailer is, is intently doing this, too. It is going out of its way to hint that it's possible that this is all within the mind of the protagonist and they're losing themselves to the myth. Or perhaps even they're being possessed.
2: Right. I think that's one of the most intriguing things too about Candyman that I did not remember that you never really know never really know if he's real or not. And I, I always like that aspect in certain like um in horror films where you think that it's something supernatural but it could just as well be a psychological type of thing going on, um, sort of like I think one of my other favorite movies that plays along with that is The Duke where it's like oh, you never know, you know.
1: Well, um, and in this case, too, the origin story of Candyman is is very much about the sins of the past.
0: Right. It's, it's like a lynching. It's funny. like this this kept me from seeing yeah. Candyman for 30 years. Because I heard the idea of it, and it was like, oh yeah, he like gets with a white woman, and then they like, you know, disfigure him and kill him with bees. And I was like, yeah, I'm good.
1: Well, I mean, but you know, that kind of shit happened. Yeah. I mean, that, that's so. So I get the thing is, is as much as the myths are scary, the what the actual story what happened to Candyman is more frightening than that.
2: Yeah, I think that's another thing that's interesting about black horror films across the board is that mm-hmm. plays also with the horror of being a black man in, in the United States.
1: So like, and, okay, so and I think that's why seeing I was very fascinated when I saw that uh, Jordan Peele decided to do this, given that instead of even just taking this fictional idea of there is this technology where people can like enter your your well your body and and you know have you be a you know a specter to whatever's happening with your own body because your spirit was still embody it but some white person's taking it over um the mutilation of a body that's actually happening in real life acting as the subtext and the backdrop to you um, talk
2: about get out
1: right right
2: right i just want everybody to know that he's talking about get out
1: yeah, sorry for not making that and, immediately. And
0: also a new app that we're working on here at the Low-Key Podcast that we're really excited about.
1: Yeah, man. All, we're really going to you know, get you guys excited. Our first feature is based <laughs> off of what we saw from Watchmen, the Tulsa Race Rides. I'm sure it's going to be a killer app, make all kinds of money. We're going to pitch it to Silicon Valley right after this episode.
2: Right
1: on. Yep. Especially with, with uh, all the stocks falling right now. Perfect timing. Uh all right. All right. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's a fascinating um, comparison in a lot of ways, and and I'm really excited to see uh, with a black protagonist and and potentially somebody who is skeptical of the legend of Candyman, and even maybe um, somebody who's going to dive into the mythos, but then still, as we saw in the film, be among uh, like the hipster white crowd, and and not even just hipster white, but like people with money who are buying this high art. Um, Where are they going to take that? I'm I'm really curious to see.
0: I feel like this movie is like endlessly discussable because watching it, there's so many things that people say they want in movies where they're like, I want a strong, flawed female protagonist. Um, (laughs) You know, I want I want like a multiracial cast. I want like all the things that Hollywood now says they want as if it's new. And it's like, Candyman did that 30 years ago. And yeah. a lot of horror movies did that a long time ago. I mean, horror has kind of been ahead of the curve on this stuff, but it doesn't get any respect because it's horror. I mean, you know, Jordan Peele can make an incredible movie like Get Out, and it, that one finally did break through. But a lot of very good horror movies that are packed with social, social messages just got totally ignored because of horror, and I think that sucks. The other thing about this movie that I thought was really interesting is I saw an Onion story the other day. And the story was um, white woman sentenced to be tried as black man in court. (laughs) And it was like, it's like the most cynical laugh ever, but it was really like, just so accurate and just like calling out a lot of things in society. And that's kind of what Candyman is. Like, she, she gets caught up in the criminal justice system, um, accused of these crimes that she didn't, probably didn't commit. Um, and I think it's interesting that almost all the cops that she deals with are black. So it's like the, t- the sh- sort of shoe is on the other foot. The tables have turned. It's just it's well. Such a-
1: and, and, and as she says, um, or says the that Helen does, um, you know, I felt like it was messed up because they say they knew this dude was a bad guy, but they couldn't pin anything on him. And really, they just did something about it because he attacked a white woman.
2: Yeah, that's the fake candy man um, who attacks her. was a candy man.
1: Yeah, yeah. When she goes into the bathroom where that boy was mutilated. Um, oof, sorry, just remembered the image. And, um, the, you know, she's attacked by the fake candy man. He, he like, knocks her out with a hook and gives her a black eye. And she, you know, they do the whole thing of, like, a lineup and, you know, say the line. And then she's like, oh, you know, that's him. And they're like, oh, good work. You identified, blah, 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 blah. And the thing that's really hilariously messed up about that is. I mean, I didn't
0: rewatch it. I think she got the right person.
1: I don't I re- know. I
0: rewound it to see if it was the right guy, <laughs> and it like he looked a lot like him, but I couldn't say like I I wouldn't have been comfortable identifying that dude in a lineup because like his voice is a lot more chilling when he says like, you know, here you're looking for Candyman, bitch.
1: Well, but- I, I'll say this when when I when I was and you know, I was watching on Netflix, I could have rewound it, uh, but I was like, I think that. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure that's him. Uh,
0: I It'd mean, be a the thing really is, good Easter egg if it's not him. That'd be like oh my, the most amazing. That'd be,
1: oh God, <laughs> a, that'd, be, that'd be too good. But no, I I am gonna assume it was him because like that that the movie would be too genius if if it was the wrong person. <laughs> uh, but I, I acknowledge I just, it? <laughs> Yeah, it's fucking hilarious. Uh, but the thing is, her whiteness acts in so many ways. I think the criminal justice system is a great example. Um, cause it allows her to keep killing people too. Because um, yeah. basically even the fact they let her ass out of jail, all right, getting somebody bailed when you can't prove shit, that happens, all right, whatever. But like then she kills Bernadette. Or like, okay, the cops would say she killed Bernadette, right? And also well, then she got no ankle monitors, no nothing.
0: Well, even before that, around. when I'm just using every actor's name as the character's name. <laughs> But when yeah. he, when she kills Vanessa, I'm sorry. When she like stabs Vanessa Williams,
1: uh, Amory,
0: hi, yeah, thank you. Hides her baby somewhere, um, and cuts the dog's head off. The cops are like, "All right, you're going home." There's not even a mention of bail.
1: Yeah, well, that, I almost mentioned bail, but I was like, they didn't even say nothing about bail. Because I was like, I guess she paid bail, but no, you remember that. But it's like the the funniest moment of whole whiteness. I mean, there are others too, but the one that had me dying laughing was. They put her into, like, you know, so she goes to psych. Uh, she she gets admitted to like a psych ward or whatever the hell it's called, and then they sedate her for a month. And she's talking to one of the psychiatrists, and you know, came to me and kills him. All right. So, I mean, okay, and at by this the point, way, if the
0: director you, of the movie, huh? What do you mean? That guy's that guy's the director of the movie.
1: That's hilarious. The wow. Gets, yeah, it's
0: great. Just a nice another nice Easter egg. Oh
1: my oh, god, that, okay. that's really fun uh but so you know also it's really hilarious because like if that is her doing all this she's a badass god damn but <laughs> anyway so she gets out of the chair abby he says you know come to me so to you know be my sacrifice uh or you know give yourself to me so the baby can live anyway so she goes over the windowsill and you hear the fucking sirens going off and here's this patient on a fucking windowsill with blood on him, and this nurse is like, yeah, "I'll let her in," and then she gets killed immediately. What well, killed? Knocked out. With I don't even remember exactly what yeah, happened. But it was like,
2: her to open the window
1: for." Her. Yeah, it was like, I know she blonde and white, but what the fuck are you doing? Like, it just seemed like an obvious thing not to do right there. Like, okay, a patient's getting out. Oh, here's a patient sitting on the window. Let me let her in. It was just so fucking hilarious. Like, God, being a white woman is hilarious. Like. That's that's just I was everything with her and and her, her criminality was just so funny and then oh my god the, the, one of the best scenes in the movie probably the best scene in the movie to me is when she walks in back into the apartment she's like Trevor whoa 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 why do why do walls pink what uh, that young bitch and then
0: who and <laughs> <laughs> looks like a young her and she yeah. looks young already so it looks like a slightly younger her.
1: yeah yeah and. Oh, my God. Yeah, and also, like, I was kind of uncomfortable at the beginning of the movie when I'm seeing, like, a girl who's supposed to be, like, 15 or 16 in a bra. I'm like, oh, God. Like, I'm a dad, and I need to look away. I think she's supposed to be in
0: college, but there was some notable bra at the end of the movie.
1: No, Which well, is... I mean, they... no, 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 no. I mean, the very, very beginning of the movie. The high school oh. girl with that boy who she invites over.
0: Oh, right, right, right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh...
1: Yeah, it's 80s it's man. It's a lot, lot of young teenage brushes around for some reason. Oh, actually, it seems like it's the early 90s. I mean, they 90s. weren't teenagers. They were
2: definitely grown.
1: You sure? They were grown people playing teenagers. Well, okay, okay. Well, look, now you're talking about the actors. I'm talking about what they were supposed to be in the movie.
0: But one I reason know. it's a good movie, like one of the marks of a good movie, is like there were a lot of opportunities for nudity where they didn't do it. Like,
1: or or the way the body, the use of the body, like the nudity you do see is like it's it's not grotesque, but it's like, it's just showing, like, just the rawness of the body. Like, remember, like, when, when she's taking off her clothes in the precinct after yeah. all the, the baby's missing and the blood. dog is killed? Yeah, and it's like, it's not about the sexual part of it in any way.
0: If you're turned on by that scene, you are a serial killer? Perhaps. It's, it's
2: kind of like, too, like, I do... I, I do think nudity is fine in film as long as you're not trying to over-sexualize it, to add to your point. And, you know, if it fits in with the narrative. And that was a very, like, a, a vulnerable moment for a character. So, I, another thing I like is the violence. I like that it's not a gory film in the sense of, like, you never really, outside of the psychiatrist, you never really see Candyman kill anybody. It's like you know he killed them, but you never see him kill them. Um, and I kind of like that. It's kind of like an old-school horror type of thing to it, you know? Uh, it's kind of like, I think, like, like you take, like, Psycho. Like, how many people does Norman Bates kill in Psycho? Like,
0: yeah, it's, it's like Psycho and Silence of the Lambs in that you feel like it's, like, a really grisly, violent movie. But if you had to go back and, like, see really, what the violent scenes were, you can't.
2: Like yeah, those
0: are sh- the four best sh- best movies ever, right? They're the best. And if you just like see the the hook hand and like the implication of what he's gonna do with the hook hand, it's scary enough that you don't have to show it.
1: Right. I'm really just fascinated by like, I mean, I, I you know, I've done multiple um rewatches, but when she comes out of that trance after she gives herself to Candyman and the baby is, I guess, out of some other realm or some shit, I don't know. Um, and it has on the wall, you know, hell it, it was you because yeah. the, the thing is like in the most literal sense, that shouldn't be possible, except maybe like because we're talking about something supernatural, it's possible, right, that he could do things and put things in certain places, but also possess her to make her do shit or to influence her to do things because when he first meets her, and this happens a few other times too. I was kind of weirded out by the, the the choice to do this, but the director, when he ever Helen and Candyman are talking, he puts her into like that trance state where there's like a tiny like uh, horizontal line that goes across her eyes, and it's almost like some Wizard of Oz shit. Yeah. Like that choice to do that, like she's almost like in a trance. Yeah. And and so if we were to assume that, you know she does do the murders, but then also he's doing things. It's like basically he could possess her and give her thoughts or whatever to do these violent things, but then he also could act upon the world where he does kill that doctor, where he does keep that baby somewhere safe for a month, where it doesn't have to have sustenance or anything (laughs) like that to stay alive. That'd be crazy, right? But like, there's a a lot of, you know, uh, leaps you have to do to kind of make it work, but no matter how it it functions, for the people of uh, Cabrini Green, her coming out with that child is, you know, one, um, unexplainable, but they view her as a hero. And I thought that was really interesting at the end, how that was depicted. Without without saying much, without getting into all the details about what people actually think happened, the fact that that myth occurred and that baby was safe was enough for them to appreciate, you know, her and, and what she was able to do to bring the, the child back and make Candyman go away. So,
2: when you mentioned the part where he says, "Helen, it was always you." What What did you guys get from that? Like, what?
0: She's she the reincarnated virginal white girl who who Candyman was supposed to paint a um, hundred years earlier. Uh, and fell in love with, which sparked hi- which sparked the uh, attack on him.
2: Yeah, that's what I was thinking.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of curious. So this does make me wonder. D- and again, like I'm, you know, there are small details you forget. You know, when you're trying to recount stuff, and you rewatched it, but I'm not sure he actually kills babies. I mean, they say at the very beginning he killed that babysitter and the baby. I don't know if he actually killed the baby, or maybe because I don't know if they said kidnapped or like they couldn't find the body or whatever it was, but. I thought they said they killed the baby. In this case, I thought he had killed that baby at first, but he actually just had it, had it somewhere until Helen came.
0: One of the major things that kept me interested in the movie is like how long can this baby survive with this guy who's a killer? And it goes to like character development and like who Candyman is that he like has the 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 empathy or whatever it takes to keep a baby alive. For not just days, but a month, while Helen is on is on drugs in the psych ward. Like, but it
1: could also be that it's some magical place where like you can make a month pass here, but like there, it's quick. Or you know, I don't know, all kind of weird shit. But but to your point about character development for Candyman, why do this? You know. So <laughs> the story goes that Candyman, you know, uh, had a father who um, post slavery. Was able to come across some money, he had his son educated. His son uh, became a, an artisan, and one of the things he was gonna do is paint the. Uh, he was given a job to paint the.
0: The description like capture her and her in her virginal beauty or something like that
1: is. Which like he he did, and then he took it. Um. So as that happened, and he got the girl pregnant, the men, the white men in the town came and and they. Um, mutilated him and and tortured him in front of people, and then stung him with a bunch of bees, and then lit his body on fire.
0: Um, so much amazing it, like racial paranoia built into that origin story. It's just absolutely incredible.
1: Yeah, yeah. It. I mean, and it, again, the thing that that is you know always trippy is like you know all oh, terrible myths and shit. That stuff happened, and you know, like, you... I mean, in in a way, you know, think of it this way. Candyman had had all that happen over getting a woman pregnant in the myth, and Emmett Till, we saw what happened to him in the open casket, and all he did, supposedly, was whistle at a white woman. I mean, those things did occur.
0: So many of those things occurred. And it
1: makes you
0: kind of sympathetic to Candyman. It makes him a really good I mean, he's a villain in that he kills some innocent people, but he's more—he's ju- like one of the more justified horror villains, I would say.
1: Yeah, and it, I don't know—it does make me want to like motivations. But I mean, like, I don't—I don't feel like I need to know exactly what he wants, but just the the choices Candyman makes and what he demands of her. I mean, honestly, one thing that was so interesting about Helen was, as smart as she is, she's a very selfish person, or just kind of not grasping the situation, even though he's telling her what, what he's asking for. He's like, hey, get, you know, if you sacrifice yourself, it's going to be over. She's like, eh, no. And he's like, okay. Somebody else you care about dies. Alright, so let's do this again. Give yourself to me or somebody... Fine, fine. I'll kill this doctor you don't even know. I don't even care. Fine. He's dead now. Okay, now look. Like I said, come, <laughs> just give yourself to me and the baby will be fine. And the thing is, she really does care for this child who she does not know. For this woman that she does not know, you know, who's the, the son of a woman she does not know, she—I don't know, like her her stupidity and her incidental microaggression. She comes by them so innocently, you know. Like it, it's to me, it was like a like truly like an example of like a white liberal who's well-meaning who kind of can't help but be a fucking idiot in certain situations. Just like doesn't even realize what they're doing.
0: It goes to the heart of her white guilt that. That they ha- that What's Vanessa Williams' name again? Anne-Marie? Yes. That she gives that little, not even a long speech, but just like a very offhand, like, they think we're all criminals, but we're not. Like, I'm just trying to raise my baby. Like, that baby is like pure innocence, and Anne-Marie is too. Like, she realizes that this is the person who she has to prove herself to, and then there's that really nice resolution at the end where Anne-Marie sort of leaves the charge when everybody comes to the funeral.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, what did you yeah. guys think of Trevor? The husband.
0: I thought he was cool. What's the problem?
1: Yeah, man. I want to have a beer with that guy. <laughs> oh, okay. Fuck Trevor.
0: <laughs> um, you know, it's it was super good writing that early on Trevor is kind of a dick. Because I think there is kind of a... It's going to sound weird, but there's kind of a will they or won't they with her and Candyman. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a little weird. It is a little weird. Um, does have a little of that aspect. I, you know, I'm sure they probably had a lot of possible scenes they could have ended with. I thought that was an interesting choice at the end there to have him with this beautiful young girl who he'd been cheating on his wife with who refuses to cook and he just bitches about it. And then he's remembering his beautiful wife who's like, Oh, I hope you haven't eaten yet. And, Oh, I just love you so much. I can't wait to tell you all my day. Well, he's like, oh, this bitch, God, I can't stand this. And, like, he's in the bathroom, hella, yeah, just crying and shit. And then he says the name five times in the mirror. She's like, what's wrong, Trevor? And I'm like, ah, that's funny. You deserve this.
0: She's a real passive aggressive cooker. She's like throwing that steak around.
1: Yeah, I was like, God, that looks terrible. Like, and she, and it's like the the choice. The, there's just some really, I I love the itty bitty touches they do, even just with the costumes. Where like, you know, at at that scene, the girl she's just walking around with no bra on and just bouncing brawls-ness. around.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Oh, there's just there's some really interesting good choices that are just being made by these by these actors and, and just everybody doing stuff in the film and I, I just really appreciate the care that went into like just so many small things in it.
0: I, I mean the music is the
1: score. The score's pretty good too, by the way.
0: Philip Glass score. My God. Yeah, man. <clears throat> um the the director of this movie whose name I am so stupidly forgetting right now. Um He's an Bernard Rose. Director. Yes, thank you Bernard Rose. Excellent director. Him and Philip Glass reunited last year to do a movie called Samurai Marathon. So they're still working together, which is cool as hell. Wow. Yeah. Is um, that good? I can't wait to see it.
1: Dang. Yeah. yeah. I'll check it out. I believe in those guys, man. That's that's good shit. Like, yeah.
0: If Tony Todd wasn't such a good actor and Regina Madsen wasn't such a good actress I think the script is solid enough that it could still work, but it just works so much better with them.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, you you kinda just had to have the right uh, combination. And I, I think I think it really works well. And and I'm really curious to see, like I said, what this next Candyman is gonna do. Um, I, I think really chasing that protagonist, that person who's willing to kind of be the adventurer, like, oh, I'm just gonna see what the legend's all about and for it for to be like a a, you know, educated black dude, you know, who's RT and probably, like, oh, I'm not afraid of that. You know, like, oh, like, I, I'm I just know it's going to flip some things on his head. And I'm really interested to see how that's going to work. And I know at least the way he, he's, you know, um, presented in the trailer, it looks like gentrification of a black kind will be introduced or, or discussed in some way as well.
0: Um, Keith, when you were locked in the bathroom and had to say Candyman five times, what <laughs> happened? <laughs> um, I, was,
2: I was a kid. I barely remember. I know they eventually let me out, but I was extremely upset from this shit because, you know, it was a, it was a, even I don't know. I guess we kind of thought it was real in a sense. Even yeah. it's weird. If you could watch a movie as a at a child as a child and think that that shit was real because it was just so believable at the time. Um. I can't remember how old I was, but I remember really believing in that. And it was just, it's a lot about Candyman that was very creepy to me as a child, like, even, like, the scenery and stuff like that, and just how... I was just thinking about that when I was watching it, how it's, um... The white people in the film, they talk about um the projects as if it's, like... Like, from the standpoint of, like... um anthropologists or something. study
1: <laughs> them. Well, and, and I'm, I'm glad you brought this up, too, because being somebody who was living in Chicago at the time, um, we didn't call it this back at in that moment, but environmental racism uh, was definitely present. And I thought they did a really great job of just really showing locations in such a way where you could see the sprawling city Right next to this area, that's just not being taken care of in uh, any real way. Um, the Sears Tower was shown so many damn times, and then right next to that is like this huge tower of trash. And those things were present and are currently present in the city, and they don't have to be,
2: and you
1: know, where people are living.
2: Another thing that's interesting in, in most horror films, where you may, you know, have majority white people in those films, they're they're living in, for the most part. Um, Suburbia, um, they for the most part live pretty, pretty decent lives. Like if if the horror did not step into their lives, everything would be good. Like if you take like Halloween for example, everything would be good if Michael Myers weren't run around slashing people, right? <laughs> Candyman, <laughs> yeah, and Candyman, the projects is already a, a horror story in itself, right? With the gangs, with the drugs, and all that, and then on top of that, you throw this supernatural creature, or this thing that, um, that 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 puts fear in a lot of people. So they have to deal with that. They have to deal with the police. They have to deal with all this other stuff that's going on on top of Candyman. And I think that that's also interesting. And it and it also it's it's kind of like the scenery, the setting has, is a character in itself. Oh yeah. You know?
1: yeah and I like I was gonna say to your point I like how that kid was just like yeah Candyman ain't gonna get me because of you and and that one other thing that was really cool was like saying how he trusted in Helen and Helen was like and you know it's almost like the thing that comes up sometimes where black people are saying hey you know okay I trusted you with this thing they're like, oh no no no, look look I know I betrayed your, you know your word and said or my word to you saying I wouldn't tell or snitch or however you want to put it but you know I did it for the greater good It's like, uh, but I literally, we, we promised each other we would not do this thing. And I think that's how a lot of people be feeling when it comes to gentrification. Like they feel like there's, people will say shit to your face, but they feel like they know better than you and they don't really respect you. So they don't have to respect their word to you.
0: Like we won't put in a Jamba Juice here or what?
1: Yeah, because they're not gonna hire them with that jamba juice. I mean, we did see a lot of this actually happening in Bed Stuy like <laughs> over the years. But
0: uh, I'm I'm gonna say the whitest uh, shit ever. When I lived in Park Slope, there, I did it. Um, but I watched I watched the street I live I lived on. I lived on 9th Street, and like the whole street changed in like a year.
1: Yeah, it, was- it happened real fucking fast in New York, out in Brooklyn. It was kinda of fascinating. And I, I don't mean that like in a like scholarly way. I mean like as a dude who was there like, oh shit, they're starting to look at me like this too. Right, right. So, I uh, don't know, man. It it was it was interesting.
0: They literally put in it was like I think it was like a it was like a Chinese restaurant I wanna say. And they took that out and put in a like hip hop <laughs> juicery. That was entirely uh, run by white people.
1: <laughs> it's the best, right? God, yeah. I definitely want to go there. <laughs> fuck. I feel like we're uh, going to
0: get a letter from that, and they're going to be like, we have we have a black person working there.
1: Yeah, and they were like, look, you know what? Just to show how much we really mean it, we're going to sponsor you guys. How about that? <laughs> That's how those people act with shit, man. It's, it's weird. You feel like yeah, it's like dirty money. Like, get the fuck off me. I'm not going to... Just pimp your shit, cause you give me some money. I,
2: I will. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any type of standards,
1: you know. Well, you do have a hipster hat on right now. You say what? You do have a hipster hat on right now.
2: I don't know. It feels so. It feels so good right now. You know? It's something okay. about being bald, where it's like there's <laughs> some points in time where, like, you miss having hair, cause you
1: you want the top of your head to be warmer than what it really is. So you want cloth on your head to make it feel like, you know, like the cotton is massaging your temples?
2: It almost feels like hair, you know. <laughs> or maybe, you know, it just is what it is. Better I mean, than having like, bees on your head. Yeah, I use the word beanie so much. I was dating
1: <laughs> a girl that she didn't know I was oh, No, not beanies, bees, like Candyman bees.
2: Oh, you said bees? I oh, don't know. No, I was saying I had a beanie um, and I was dating this girl and she didn't know I was bald headed for like two months. You was just so
1: used to seeing me with a beanie. So. Man, I got so many jokes that are not appropriate for this platform, but <laughs> like, I'm just sure. gonna. So you kept it on all the time, no matter what was happening.
2: I mean, we 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 never
0: got to.
1: Uh, oh no no not not our business. Just
0: you, know,
1: <laughs> you just had to head on all times like you Smithers or
0: something. Yeah, uh, it's like a Curb Your Enthusiasm plot where like Larry is wearing a baseball cap like when he meets this beautiful woman. And everything's going great, and then he like takes off the hat, and she's like, "Oh,
1: oh, (laughs) oh, I I
0: see you differently now. I didn't." Did that happen? Did it? It feels like it would. (laughs) (laughs) So, um,
2: with us talking about black horror films, can y'all think of anyone outside of, um, I guess the more modern ones we've seen, as far as Get Out and Us, that really
0: like stood out to y'all? I'm excited for Antebellum, excited slash terrified for Antebellum, because it feels like it's going to go very. Feels like it's going to be go very much confront the same things that that Candyman is confronting in terms of slavery, in terms of. The ghosts of the past are not gone. Um, if you want
1: to do that, you can just read Beloved. But yeah, yeah, yeah
0: I wonder. It's it's a similar plot, right? it seems like it. I, well,
1: I don't see. I don't know a whole lot about antebellum. I know Beloved is like a. I um, nah, I don't want to spoil it, but basically it's taking place. Um, oh, my God. What's that era called right after slavery? Now I can't remember. It starts with a R. Reconstruction. Right,
0: Reconstruction.
1: Um, I was like, they can't be right. But yeah, anyway, that's what we call it. So um, the period uh, happening there in Reconstruction, where you have people who are former slaves that aren't all that old really um, having to in some sense kind of relive some of the moments of their past through a ghost now I'd say anything more than that is gonna like ruin most of the movie but like it's wild as hell and it traumatized me a little bit honestly I had to read it for college and I was like wow this is uh, this is more intense than I was expecting so yeah, Toni Morrison went in. It's a good book, but you like you can't, man. You gotta be prepared. I'm just say, like you you're gonna see. I mean, she she tells stories about slavery and things that happen to people. Um, that you know, I I mean, you you just don't consider them. You don't really think about them. But like when you think about what life was as a slave and the in sto- the reasons you don't see those stories being passed down um i mean they're they're just traumatic as hell and even in my grandparents generation even what they went through um with racism i mean they don't like getting into it they're very you know understandably bitter about it still and um you know they're not good stories to pass down you kind of lose your faith in your common man you know when you go through that shit so um yeah man stuff it's pretty crucial
0: Yeah, I. Longtime listeners know I hate slavery movies, um, but (laughs) I I want to come I don't I'm not coming from the perspective of like, you know, a Holocaust denier or something like this never happened, or like it wasn't that bad. Like I, I'm more from the perspective of it was so much worse than we, ever see portrayed on film, and it's so overwhelmingly depressing. And like, I know, like I stay, I, I, I read a lot of us history. Like I don't have any firsthand experience, obviously. um, But like, I, I understand what happened and it's just not a thing that I like to see on screen, like in any sort of entertainment capacity. And I know that it's not intended as like entertainment, but it just, it just feels like a very weird thing to, Uses like a dramatic point for storytelling, if that makes sense. Can
1: I correct something you just said though? Yeah. Um, you said it's not used for entertainment, but it definitely is.
0: Yeah, I just don't like that. And
1: and 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 I I guess what I mean by that though too is there is a lack of like it's it's weird to to put it this way, but in the same way that um, like Martin Luther King has been um, sanitized. Yeah, the the kind of depiction of like what happened to the individual human beings who went through slavery has been sanitized. People just like, oh, a few oh, people it's... got raped, some people got sold off, and then like, you know, that's kind of like, and some people got whipped. That's like the extent. And it's like, no, nah, that shit was like, there's a lot more that happened. And I think the closest example I saw of a show, like in the media, really getting into that was Underground, which is that WGN show. Which yeah. was amazing, so good. that honestly, I had trouble just watching it because it was putting me too too far into the the actual reality of it, and it still doesn't touch half the shit Beloved touches.
0: The Harriet Tubman episode of that show is incredible. That's a good show. That's a really good show.
1: Yeah,
0: I never finished it, but
2: I do remember it
0: being a good
2: show.
1: I had a hard time getting through it, man, because like I, oh God, it was just. It was really well done. The acting was so good, and and the the what I really was tripping off of, because it it just so happened that this was coming up. The show was on, and typically, you know, I, we don't like getting into the political realm here, but I will just for the sake of having this conversation. <laughs> uh, well, I just mean like you know we try to keep it focused around like the actual stuff we're talking about, but
0: this the podcast when, endorses Mike Bloomberg. I mean, let's just get that out there. We all we yep. all are staunch Bloomberg supporters. Uh, you he he's out of the race. Yeah.
1: Well, I want to share with you guys. Actually, <laughs> right in front of me, I have a Greenwood Initiative mailer that he gave to my mother in Memphis because uh, she was in the demo. He was looking to target. I took it home because I was like, "Wow, what the hell?" Um, yeah. That yeah. We were living in New York, going through those stopping fresh shits. Anyway, um, what was my point? Okay, so underground. Um, there is a set of characters. I don't know if you guys remember them. They were the abolitionists of the show, and um, you know they're going through this period where you know they're trying to help the slaves, you know, um, follow the North Star and then you know get to safe area, safe territory, and um, some real crucial shit happens with them, and it's it's really interesting. I don't want to ruin it, but this was around the time when you know, um, the Republicans were really talking a lot about immigration, following Trump's lead on you know, what they wanted to do to immigrants and all these rhetorical things, well, rhetorically talking about all these sorts of things they can implement uh, for illegal aliens and how they're taking all these jobs and shit. And my wife and I are sitting there looking at each other like, could we do what these abolitionists did?
0: Yeah.
1: If it came down to it? And yeah. that, that frightened me to even think about 'Cause it's not because it did make me wonder like how many people really were sitting around like, you know, I don't want to harbor a fugitive, but at the same time, what's happening to these people is totally wrong. And at this point, what's really fucked up is if you were talking about as a white person back then, you're not saying this person is a fugitive, you're saying you're holding someone's property. And those are two totally different ways to even view human beings, obviously. Uh Anyway, this show just had me thinking about shit, and it was happening at a particular political time. It was just kind of fraught for me, and I I just had a hard time finishing it, but I I thought it was a wonderful show. I need to finish it.
0: Yeah, and I'm not saying no one can tell any slavery story. I think, obviously, there have been really great films about slavery. It's just, I feel like there's an incredible burden to get it right. Like, I don't, I love Tarantino, but, like, I've never watched Django since I saw Django the first time. It's just, like...
1: I, That's such a good movie too. I'm
0: just like I'm just like maybe I'd see it again and be fine with it. I don't know, but I just like it, I'm just uncomfortable with anything that like potentially exploits this horrible thing for the sake of like we need a good like a, a, a good like revenge narrative.
1: That's me in Nazi movies though.
0: I kind but of I, feel I that just... way too. And there's a sh- there's a recent show that we uh, we're going to talk about that I had such strong feelings about that we didn't talk about. it.
1: Ah, now he admits it.
0: For the sake of uh, not, for the sake (laughs) of, uh, can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all.
1: It it falls over itself. I did finally find some time to look at pieces of it, and I was like, whoa. uh, I don't think that's doing what you guys think it's doing. It's actually creating sympathy for Nazis, but okay. It's weird.
0: It was not a show I liked. The show we're talking about, of course, NBC's The Good Place.
1: Yeah. Thank goodness that's gone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, Keith, man, uh, you even been silent for a second. got to close up shop in a second. Any closing thoughts?
2: No, I was going to I wanted to give an honorable mention to um, I, some past black horror films um, yeah. that really left an impression on me. One of them is it's kind of camping when you look at it now, but I feel like it it has something to say with certain segments of it, it was tales from the hood.
1: Oh, the, oh that's such a good one. And tales from the hood. Was tales from the good. hood is the shit. It left it a long-standing impression on me, and like each
2: little story on there touched on a different, like horrific, like the most I guess you could say far on the other side of. A horrific experience of black experience in a
1: sense and can I just say while you're listening those all just that last story in Tales from the Hood really I do think left an impression on me such that I just figured it would never be worth it to like be involved in like gang shit
2: yeah well, just, it, and it just it, it was like the first time I, I think I saw anything as a child that made me even think about um, what was it like? Hell for one, and mm-hmm. just like this idea of like, like I remember the story. I think it's the first story they tell about the um, the the preacher that's that's um lynched by the police officers. Mm-hmm. Comes back from the dead and he he like brutally murders each one of them. Yep. And and it was just one of those things where I remember it being like so graphic and so crazy and it was just and then the story with the little the little black dolls.
1: I knew you were gonna bring it. Oh god. Like my and my grandmama had those little dolls in the in the first fucking room you walked in, man, that shit used to freak me out. I hated it. Man, like every so- time I went to visit, I was like, man, all right, all right, cool, cool, cool. Like let's go in the other room. Like I can't I can't deal with this. <laughs> oh They're gonna get up and start doing I legit, shit.
2: I legit all of those stories in there resonated with me in some type of way or form, you know um so that was a good one um you know i don't know if this is considered to be a horror film but I, I, i'm gonna just say ease by you i
1: knew you were gonna say ease by you i almost said it before you did i fucking knew it and yes that shit is terrifying
2: i don't know how to put it in the words it's something it's something about being black in the south in certain areas especially when you're in like rural areas that it can be a little creepy you know what i mean like even even in Tennessee, there's a, there's always a certain feel of like um of of the unknown, or um you know you're more in tune. It's something about being in South where you're more in tune with a certain spirituality or whatever and the supernatural. And
1: like Quentin Slim would agree with you. Yeah, and
2: is and and you also believe that shit to be true. Just like I don't know if we talked about this out here, like um Memphis, like with Voodoo Village. Um, you remember
1: Voodoo Village on there? Yeah. Yeah, I don't fuck with Voodoo Village. You no, know? I don't go over there. That's why you I ain't say shit. I was silent. I yeah, you know. keep talking, buddy. What's new? Oh shit, that's a whole nother story. No, no, nah, nah, you you that's, that's gonna be our urban legend shit. You can look that up yourself. <laughs>
2: yeah. But but you know, it's so so to give you a rundown on Voodoo Village, it's this little area. Um what what is it like more in military? I can't remember how to get there. Cause I was like, I'm not going.
1: Yeah, Look, now we're say, saying out loud. I know where is it.
2: There's this like, um, I guess you could say like a little town uh, where the people there um, apparently they don't really use like any technology and stuff like that. They got these little little cabins or little mm-hmm. homes, but they also got these real strange looking structures and stuff that's built there. And so a lot of people they they have all these different like little stories they have when they go to Voodoo Village. They talk about how the people look. They talk about the, their cars cutting off halfway there. Um, so a lot of people like to try to go to Voodoo Village at night on Halloween.
0: Oh, my God.
2: It got to a point where the police started like, blocking off that road on, around Halloween because people come there, and um, I guess they felt like they were harassing the residents of Voodoo Village. And, the, and the, I can't remember the real name of Voodoo Village. Do you remember Aaron? It's called something else. But but everybody in Memphis calls it Voodoo Village. Um, but do it has. You,
0: do the people of Voodoo Village think it's like a slur to call it Voodoo Village?
2: I don't know. I never talked to none of them. I mean, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's no telling. You know what I'm saying? But I think I think it could be more of a, of a what you call it, like a urban legend, and people just build this whole story around the place because little is known about it. But at the same time, I don't play around with it you know and at the same time people have went there and they felt strange like they felt some type of energy
1: well you, you can google it you can google voodoo village memphis and you can troll around for a couple of hours and get lost but I I don't speak on that place
0: <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like I'm going to be like the Virginia Madsen like white anthropologist going in going like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good
2: movie in itself. Go ahead, be a journalist and go over there
1: and see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> fine, fine. I'd like to learn more about your ways.
1: Man, I got, you know, no. normally I'd be like, you can you can go do what you want but you about to become a father. So you know, <laughs> I'm going to forbid you from going to Voodoo Village.
2: Yeah, and it's, you know, that, that's why I'm saying. I think that's why um, E's Bayou kind of stuck out to me in a sense, you know.
1: Um mm-hmm.
2: I don't. I, I've always liked Vampire Brooklyn.
1: It's silly as shit. That that is a fun. All right, that movie just scared the shit out of me, especially when he like crushed that dude. Eh? like it was something about that was when I was a kid. I just thought it was so freaky. But that's a funny ass movie. Like, it's an underrated Eddie Murphy movie. I I think it gets more hate than it should. Way more hate than it should. It's, that's a fun movie.
2: It's, it's funny in a way that, like, you know, horror can be funny. You know what I'm saying? Because even Candyman got funny elements to it, you know. I, I don't think I've ever watched a horror movie and then laugh at least twice. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah. I I'd agree with that. There's definitely funny stuff in Candy Like, when she walks out of the giant mouth, it's just like, that image is just so ostentatious and incredibly cool that you just, like, have to laugh at, like, the audacity of, like, making that in the movie.
1: And why is Angela Bassett just forever fine?
0: Where'd that come from? Oh, <laughs> uh, because you think about Vampire in Brooklyn.
1: Yeah, just she fucking looks the same. It is ridiculous. Like, that is... That, that's why people be saying Black Don't Crack right there. And, uh, at least Neil still looks good. Neil mm-hmm. Long looks good. Man, all of them still look good. Oh, well, you just naming people now, but yes, yes, they all do look excellent yeah. still. <laughs>
2: excellent. Um, <laughs> I guess on that note before we get too, too far into, um, uh, that um, I think we can go ahead and start wrapping up uh, wrap up sounds good to me all right cool so you guys if you um enjoy us and please leave us a, 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 a review on iTunes also if you can follow us on Instagram at the low-key Pod, and um, also we're on Facebook so um, tell your friends about us share us and with Check in with you guys next time. Be our
0: follower. Oh, that was the worst Candyman voice ever. That was
1: really hilarious. Keep it. Keep it. Keep it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Get out of here, y'all. All All right. See you. Peace. Peace. That was good. That
0: was fun. That was really
1: good. Yeah, I thought we were going to close 20 minutes ago, but it ended up going to some good places, I think. God, I yeah. love that. I thought that was really fun. Yeah, I like the babies. Yeah. Yeah, man.